You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. To your next next appointment. I appreciate that. Thanks. Yeah, no problem. Um, all right, Greg, are you ready? Yeah, I see that you're rolling. So here we go. Let me set a timer here. Uh, ba, ba, ba. in three, three, two, and one. And welcome in. It is Fifth Avenue Face Off, the latest episode ready to go, leading up to a visit from the Edmonton Oilers. We will talk to Jason Greger of TSN 1260 Edmonton a little bit later and try to get a reaction to a team that's in a much better position out in the Western Conference going through some similar problems to what the Penguins are going through, but the problems for the Penguins are many. And here to put them in some perspective, Penguins historian, and he knows a lot about the current team as well, Bob Grove. Grover, thanks so much for taking the time today. I really appreciate you doing it and coming on Fifth Avenue Face. I'll follow him on Twitter at BobGrove91. I love the fact that you're still tweeting stuff out during games, little nuggets that makes me go, hmm, look at that. <laughs> And one of those things um, that, and forgive me, may have been a nugget that you tweeted out, but I definitely saw it somewhere. This team is now just three of 23, and this is one of the minor problems. We'll get to major problems in a second. Three of 23 on the power play since the All-Star break. So of all the things going wrong, that might be a little farther down the list of priorities when we talk about third-line center, when we talk about reliable playoff goaltending. But it seems to me that, the classic case of the Penguins power play pushing too much, trying to do too much, maybe getting manifested on that power play, which was doing well going into the break and now has seemingly regressed as those superstars maybe feel the added weight on their shoulders of trying to produce the offense for this team. Yeah, they've struggled, and it's great to be on with you, Chris. Uh, they, they've really struggled here recently, and um, they should be doing a lot better. The first unit has just, look, it's been a combination of things for me. There's been a, there's been a few games over the past month where I would say to you, number one, they're not creating enough power play chances for themselves. They're not earning those chances. Uh, and then I see zone entry has been a kind of a major problem now for almost two months. Um, they don't – they at times they look at like – They've never practiced it before, and we all know they have practiced it before, and they've used it in games. Um, they seem congested at the blue line sometimes, not certain where everybody's going. It's, it's been a bizarre kind of a thing to watch. Um, and Sid is really great on faceoffs on the power play generally. He's been he's been a little less than that. He's been he's not been winning as many faceoffs as he normally does on the power play. It was a little bit of an issue last night as well. So that first unit is really, I mean, most of the time, I know they got a goal a couple of games ago from Malkin, but yeah, they're most of the time, uh, they're having trouble even getting set up and it's hurting them. 
Yeah, and it, 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 Jenna Harner pointed this out on a previous episode. They're they're facing a lot of pressure high in the zone, not just mm-hmm. on entries, but even once they're set up in the zone, once they're able to gain possession. And teams seem to have figured that part of this power play out, that if you pressure them high in the zone, you're going to force them into poor mistakes near the, the top of the zone and at the blue line. And that's how we're seeing all these odd man rushes head back the other way. You know, two-on-ones the other way, shorthanded. We saw a shorthanded goal the other night go back the other way. And it's something that, again, I I get the sense it's born of a lot of frustration that these top six forwards are having to generate most of the offense. Well, it's it's interesting because, as you you know, this is not the first time that teams – this is not the first season that teams have tried to press the Penguins a little bit. I mean, these guys that have been on the Penguins power play, they've seen it before and they've dealt with it before. But it is it has been an issue this season for them. Um, it They have the skill set to deal with it. You want to press up high. And by the way, I love teams that kill penalties aggressively like that. I mean, that's not the way the Penguins do it. You know, they do it their own way. And they were number one their own way earlier this year. They're certainly not number one anymore. But I love teams that do that. But th- this Penguins power play has the skill set to deal with it. Like they have the hands, they have the experience, they have the vision, they should be able to deal with it, but they haven't dealt with it as well. And again, when you talk about what are you giving up on the other side of shorthanded chances, anytime you're going with one defenseman on your power play has been the Penguins way for years now. And one of the other guys that's playing the point is Evgeny Malkin. It's going to happen. Yeah. Yeah, it, it, it's it's it, and it's again, like I said, it's it's one of the I don't want to call it a minor problem because it's starting to become a, a larger one as we push down the stretch here with about a third of the season left. But it's certainly nothing in comparison to the fact that the two depth lines for this team, the third and fourth line, the third line in particular, are not just not producing offense, Bob, but they're detrimental defensively. They're detrimental at, at all 200 feet of the ice um, and. That is something, look, Ron Hextall's talked about the cap issue. We know that exists. Um, We know that Jeff Carter has a no-move clause. He's not going anywhere. Uh, He and Kasperi Kapanen getting the contracts they did have set this team up to to be unable to to really do anything about the problem. You know, I had people uh, earlier on Tuesday morning, you know, tweeting and texting saying, well, why don't they just uh, wave these guys and do this? It's not that simple. Uh, You know, I I don't I don't sympathize necessarily with Ron Hextall because he's put himself in this position. That's correct. correct. But there there are not any easy ways out of this problem right now. Well, no, and certainly certainly the waiver wire isn't the way off. So for starters, Carter can't be put on it. He has a no movement clause, you know, unless he consents and he's not going to do that. Um, Kapanen, you put him on waivers. okay? even if he clears, um, what are you going to do? You're going to sign him to the American Hockey League. So you would gain a, do- a million dollars in cap space but my point is being who's who's replacing them right it's not like they have guys at the american hockey league level who are pounding on the door to get in and the penguins believe are ready to come in you don't have that situation uh, and this is why it's, it's really kind of for me it's the trade market or nothing and you know these two players are, are a problem because i don't think there's any interest in Kapanen. i don't think there's any interest in carter um but but even though the fourth line's not been as egregious as the third line, I mean, you're not getting a ton out of them either. And, and right. Teddy Bluger's just, I mean, this is a contract year for him, and it's its a, become a nightmare season for him. Um, and I don't think, you know, when I also think about Archibald, like for me, he had, you know, it was okay last night, but I don't think he's been quite the same player he was since he came back from his injury. Um, Paling's been, he's been hurt three or four times now this season. I like him. 
but he's not been able to stay healthy. Um, so I look at the third line right now, and here's what I'm saying, Chris, is there's your trade opportunity for me. I think the most marketable guy you have is McGinn. And I think Ruda might be right behind him. And I don't think you'd miss either one of them. Um, right. I like Ruda. I like Ruda. But I'm saying you you would – I mean, let me rephrase that. You'd miss him, but you could deal with it if you if this is the way you need to create yourself some space to go out and get somebody to help your bottom six. McGinn has just not been the player that we've seen him in the National Hockey League in recent seasons. For whatever reason, it's not working for him here. And it's not just about his lack of production. Um he, he's just not making an impact on games, but I know he can do this. He's he's a player who can make an impact with his body by being physical. He's a great penalty killer. He, he, he'll block you shots. And I look at some teams like Seattle, like L.A., like Edmonton coming in here. They're playoff teams, and they have a penalty-killing problem. Would any of those guys be interested in adding again? Maybe. Uh, Ruta, look at the playoff experience he's had in Tampa Bay. He's been to the top of the mountain several times. He knows what it takes. He's a right shot defenseman. They don't grow on trees. He's not, neither one of these guys is making a ton of money. You know, they're not. Their contracts are not like big numbers you can't deal with, even in the flat cap world right now. So I think both of those guys are marketable, and I would be trying to move them to try and uh, create the space and bring in the guys you need to fix some of the other problems you have. I don't think you'd miss them again right now at all. And I like Ruta, but you just have to deal with missing him. Yeah, you know, it's actually, and when you do combine the two cap hits, Bob, you end up with about five and a half million dollars worth of cap space, which, you know, if you if you were able to move both of those guys out, and here's the key to the, the linchpin to the whole thing is we saw Kyle Dubas work, uh, spend a little bit of gold over the weekend in Toronto, is you've got to include another team. This this isn't as simple as, there There aren't going to be, I know people were talking a month, month and a half, two months ago about, well, maybe there's a hockey trade to be made and salary out and salary in. Yes, salary out. Is, and salary in is how it's going to have to happen, but it's going to have to involve a third team, as we saw with the St. Louis-Toronto deal involving Minnesota to, to allocate for some of Ryan O'Reilly's cap hit. And that may have to be what Ron Hextall does here, is get creative. Like you said, maybe there are takers from McGinn and or Ruta out in the Western Conference. You gain some cap space and spin it back around and turn it into a deal for the third, an offensively gifted third line center who may still be out there to, to add a little bit of punch to your bottom six. Yeah. And, and remember too, I mean, you're not shopping for rentals. I mean, why can't he, you know, make a trade for a guy who has some term and, you know, he's going to be around for another couple of years and maybe he's not making a ton of money, but you, you like him and you think he can maybe be part of what you're, you're, you want to do going forward. I don't, you're right. I mean, in today's world in the national hockey league, trying to make trades, Anytime you're dealing with a big salary like O'Reilly's was, you're going to have to probably bring in a third team to, to take some of it as mm -hmm. part of the deal. Like with these two guys, I don't think they're even big enough that you might not even have to do that. I mean, so you just talked about the space you could clear there. Uh, Danton Heinen, if you send him to the American Hockey League, there's another million dollars. Right. He's sitting in the press box right now. So this is the thing is there are things to do. There are things that could be done. I'm not going to say it's going to be easy to make trades in today's environment. It won't be, but we can all see the problems. We can all see the writing on the wall that there's, there's a lot, there are big holes in this team. And if you just made a commitment to bring, bring the band back for this season mm -hmm. and you didn't bring them back to miss the playoffs, then something needs to be done and you got 10 days to do it. But I guess I would say, looking at the way the team's playing right now, do you have 10 days to wait? Can right you wait until February 3rd or March 3rd to make that move. I'm not sure. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? 
And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. And is there a move out there that pushes this team beyond the first round? You know, I I think that's a valuable question too. As currently constituted, I don't think they're a team that gets past Carolina or Boston in the first round. Um, And even adding that third line centerpiece that we've talked about, I don't know if that's enough to push them beyond either way. Certainly not beyond Boston. I don't... I don't know who gets in the way of Boston at this point. And it, they, it doesn't seem to strike much confidence, I don't think, in most fans' hearts that if that's all they do at the deadline, that they're bound for anything more than seven more games at the most. Right. The right. No, I mean, it's different. This is, this is different than a scenario where you're third in the division and you're playing the second-place team. Because, look, we all know what happened the last couple of years, but you can you can build scenarios where they could have got out of the first round in those years. You know, injuries last year, the obvious situation. Mm-hmm. They almost won this. They almost won this series against a good Rangers team, despite all the injuries they had. That's not the situation this year. I don't see the Penguins winning a first round series against Carolina or Boston, or to that point, either, either the Rangers or the Devils, quite frankly. And yeah. you can't count out that they would overtake Carolina. I wouldn't think they will. I think Carolina will win the division, but yeah, it's different this year when you're in the wild card soup and you're playing a division leader. I don't see this Pittsburgh team being in but that doesn't mean you don't owe it to Sid and to Latang and to Malkin sure. to, to try and improve the team. I'm not saying rip it up for a team that's going nowhere. I'm just saying, try to make some improvements. We can all try. If see anything happen. Yeah, and, and I guess this is the, the question, and, and Josh Yowie wrote a piece in The Athletic this weekend alluding to this question or along the same lines of this question, Bob. And the question is, if, if things go down the way we expect them to this year, whether it's missing the playoffs or another first-round exit, who is it that's going to call Ron Hextall on the carpet? And will Hextall be the only one called on the carpet? You know, we we have yet to hear from anyone in this organization since Fenway took over above Brian Burke. Um, I, I think there's a valid question here about where are the marching orders coming from and what exactly are the marching orders? Because to your point you made a moment ago, you brought the band back, right? The big three are here. They're not going anywhere anytime soon. So clearly you're all in for now. But if you're all in for now, then what are you waiting for in trying to build this team into something beyond a first round playoff team? Yeah, I agree. I agree. You, you, the die was cast this off season and you not only brought, you know, Malkin and Latang back, but you brought back Rush, you brought back Raquel. I mean, those weren't two and $3 million contracts, mm-hmm. you know, and, and those guys aren't 25, they're 30. So, you know, that, that set the tone for what the season was going to be. And you didn't bring those guys back to miss the playoffs. So I, I don't know you know, why there's been so much inactivity, but I mean, look, Brian Burke's in, in basically in charge of the whole thing. Um, and if, if the Penguins miss the playoffs, do I think Hextall will be back? No, I don't. I don't think he'll be back. Um, 
you know, they didn't they didn't structure this team to miss the playoffs. And uh, this is we'll, we'll see how it all shakes out. There's a lot there's a lot of games left. I mean, I know everybody's like, right. you know, uh, you know it's, the, the sky is falling right now. And I get it. It's it's not only that they're losing. It's the way they're losing. It's yeah. the kind of mistakes that they repeatedly make, like most games anymore. I get it. But there's a lot of hockey left. And maybe something will happen. Maybe he is working on something, and we'll just see. Well, I'll bring it back onto the ice then for one more question before we let you run, Bob. And that is, are are they consistent enough in goal? I know Tristan Jari, who, as, as of right now when we're having this conversation on Tuesday afternoon, has only been back for one game. I thought he played a really solid game except for the two enormous mistakes he made the Bo Horvat goal on the short side and then playing the puck erroneously and it ends up behind him as well on a nice play by Matt Martin to Anders Lee. But uh, are they going to be able to get anywhere with this goaltending situation? Assuming this is a team that a can't put together a 60 minute effort. I think they've blown more third period leads than any other team in the league this year. And the one saving grace they have outside of their top six and their star power is that when Tristan Jari's on, he's an all-star level goaltender. Mm -hmm. But, you know, his team gets him almost 20 more shots than the opposition last night on offense. And still, it's just those two mistakes are just enough to have it all come crumbling down around him. Yeah, I mean, he was fine until then. But, you know, at the critical point of the game, he had an awful third period and it cost him the game. Um, I have no problem with Tristan Jari. I think here's the thing about him in the playoffs. We don't know yeah. what kind of a playoff goaltender he is. He's never played in them. Like, I'm not counting game seven last year. That doesn't count. Um, I, kudos for him for trying to play, but he obviously wasn't ready. This guy going into last night's game, fifth among all starters in the league in save percentage. He's had a really good year. Yeah. But for the first time in his career, he's had a prolonged issue with injuries. This has never happened to him before. And they need him to get back. They depend on him so much, even more so than a typical team depends on their goaltender. They need this guy so badly um, that he's got to come back and, and, and play at a, a fairly high level for them to have a chance to get back in the playoffs. And I think this guy is, is, is a really good goaltender. And it sets up an interesting situation for them because this is a career year for him. And, um, you know, they've got to resign him. And, and he won't be resigning at the money he's making now. He'll be resigning for more money. And he'll have a case to make. He'll know that he that he deserves it and uh, so we'll see how he reacts to it you know chris career years some guys it, it works differently it's a career year for beluber too and it's turned into a disaster and yeah. uh, if, if jari can have a great finish then he, he's gonna you know he'll get the benefits of that this summer bob great stuff thank you so much for taking the time to jump on thanks chris great stuff from grover as always uh he is been involved with the penguins for years so his knowledge not just about today's team and the machinations they might have to go through to settle this roster down and make some moves in the next uh, week to 10 days is spot on, but he knows exactly uh, where they come from as well. All right. Time to get a perspective from the guys coming into town on Thursday. They've been having some similar problems in Edmonton, though, of course, not to the same extent the Penguins have been having. Jason Greger does afternoons on TSN 1260 in Edmonton. He will join me next here on Fifth Avenue Faceoff.